FBI agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Harry, I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Out slash Nerd In. We're still in, but we're still nerding out while we're in. <laughs> and I have a few other puns I could throw in there, but it would get a bit weird. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. We've um, gotten together again. I am feeling a little bit uh, delirious. I had my flu shot today, so um, there's a PSA. Go out and get your flu shot. So do excuse me if I'm sounding a little weird. Um, but it's okay, because that's a cool way to be when you're talking about what we're going to be talking about today, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. I think, you know what, it's actually maybe the best way to feel mm. when you're talking about what we're going to be talking about later. <laughs> but in the meantime, before we get to that, let me introduce, it's not the Jed Spears show, it's Nerd Out with Jed Spears, Sandra Felcher and Rob Lloyd. So uh, with me as always is Sandra Felcher. How are you doing, Sandra? Oh, really good. Thanks for having me as a guest on the Jen Spears show. It's great. <laughs> so happy to be like here. like it today. The Jed Spears post-flu shot show. <laughs> I might branch out, spin off. Do it. Go for it. Yeah, do it. I think I will. All right. Permission granted. <laughs> you didn't need our permission. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, how are you, Rob? Um, I, I am good. I'm back into on-site teaching, but still doing all my classes uh, via remote um, learning. So I'm uh, uh, back in the school environment and uh, just moving from my class to class, but still teaching off a laptop, which is very odd and weird. Hmm. Oh, um, I'm going to play teacher for a moment. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you Ooh. both of you, but it's oh, it's a pretty simple. I mean, it's a, it's only a one question quiz, <laughs> but it's um it's a big question, so it's not a one word answer. It's not a one sentence. It's 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 an essay, really. Mm. Like I want 500 words answered in this quiz. So, and the question is one question only. After you write your name at the top, question one: Sandra Felcher. Ooh. What have you been consuming lately? Oh, wow. <laughs> what a question. What um, a lead in. You didn't know I was going Ooh. there, did you? <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know. <laughs> didn't uh, what do you want first? Do you want a book or do you want a TV show? Give us a book, Sandra. Oh, you want a book? I don't get book. books from you often. No. Well, I I was reading a lot at the start of the year because I was, like, working yeah. a lot, like, a lot of... Uh, a lot, a lot of long train trips into the city meant... Of course. A lot of good time to read. Uh, and then... Lockdown happened, and I was like, oh, because I'm just going to watch TV for ages and yep. not really now, read much yep. outside of comics. But I picked one up. I, I picked a book up, and I was pretty excited to go th- through it. It's called Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. I may be cool. butchering her last name, but that's... That happens. It is a, ooh, let's say a dark fantasy mystery. Okay. Ooh. I like the sound of that. I also like the cover image. The cover is pretty cool. Yeah, it's got um. I first heard of it because Joe Hill tweeted about it, and now he's fuck yeah, Joe. Hill. He's on the the back cover as well with his with his quote. So it's quite good. Thanks for the recommendation. Thanks, Joe. It is set in Yale. Uh, there's this character. Her name is Alex Stern. She's a freshman, and uh, she's joined up not only at the university but also at this uh, mysterious elite underground group of magicians who are basically magic cops who keep in line all of the various magic-based houses set around this university. So so there's Uh eight 
magic houses in this university and they all kind of specialize in one thing like whether that be uh teleportation or Uh perhaps shape shifting maybe communing with the dead that sort of stuff also like next level magic i was like one house does pulling rabbits out of a hat the other house does the ring (laughs) trick you know like like real like magic shit and the worst house of all has all the david blaine tricks street (laughs) magic nobody yeah, Kappa Kappa shit house, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, there is one of those in this. So oh, good. <laughs> you did predict that. You got it, you got it. The, yeah, it's like this house and they make sure that all those other houses are doing uh, the right thing. That That's the general idea. A lot of the magic is quite uh, simple, okay. but but interesting. The, the rituals they go through are quite good as well. And uh, in this world, there's also a, a ghosts known as greys. And mm-hmm. our main character can see them. Anyone else, they need to take a very dangerous concoction to see oh. them. But she can just see them. And that's why they're like, we need her to be in the magic police. Um, there's a murder and it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. You can tell that the author has done a lot of YA before. Okay. This was marketed as her first adult novel the mm-hmm. two previous trilogies i think she's done have been ya one of them's been turned into a tv show for amazon i think i'm not sure but this was like her first big adventure into dark adult fantasy yet it does still have a lot of ya elements okay. there is a love triangle in there somewhere <laughs> so the most ya that you can probably get very tri- triangles are very magical too there's a lot of flashbacks if you're not a fan of uh the first, I don't know, 300 pages basically being you get a small amount of modern day stuff, then like 40 pages of flashbacks, then more of that, then, oh. you know, you probably won't like this. Um, but You lost me there a little. Yeah, it flows along pretty well. The okay. final, uh, I want to say 200 pages is pretty nonstop. That's a thick book. How, th- how many pages is it? Mine's about 450. Okay, yeah. There's not much to say about it without spoiling it, but I thought okay. it was quite good, quite enjoyable. Very similar to, I forget what it's called, Kingmaker? The Kingmaker trilogy, which is mm. kind of like an adult Harry Potter that two of them are out and everyone's been waiting on the third one for like okay. 12 years. I don't think it's coming. Yeah. Oh, well. It's similar to that, but uh, more, I guess, accessible to people who usually read YA stuff over like the proper massive duck fantasy novels. Yeah, so, cool. Mm. Yeah. I'd probably give it one thumb up. It's all right. Not bad. Uh, and then the, the TV show I've been watching is Solar Opposites, Justin Roiland's new TV show. Justin Roiland, of course, the voice of Rick and Morty on Rick and Morty. <laughs> uh, he's teamed up with Mike McCannon to make a new uh, kind of sitcom about these two aliens who escape their dying planet to come to Earth mm-hmm. with their two basically kids, but I think they're clones of them that they're going to teach to grow up I'm, I'm not too sure they don't really elaborate much on that but if they come to america one of them loves it one of them hates it they've got to try and fix their ship and there's also this alien that they've brought with them that will eventually transform and eat the world sure <laughs> so it's justin roiland he's playing the guy who hates earth and then thomas middleditch is playing the other guy right. and they're doing adventures and it's basically bob's burgers Except with aliens, and every now and then there's some high-concept Rick and Morty-style stuff. For the most part, it's very sitcom-y, less sci-fi concept-based. There's one sci-fi concept, which is uh, one of the kids, 
Yumulak, the kid's <laughs> name is, is shrinking down all the humans that he comes across that he doesn't like and putting them in his, like, wall. He's got this massive display on his wall. They have kind of created their own economy in there where they trade with lollies and they're the leader <laughs> at the top of the wall the people at the bottom of the wall aren't doing as well and it's just every now and then you flash to these characters in the wall and it's the best stuff in the show because okay. it's so ridiculous but they treat it so seriously <laughs> so if you like rig and morty there's not too much here that i think you'll go oh that's clever that's not t- too bad aside from the whole wall stuff yeah okay it's still pretty funny yeah, it's just like a very accessible Rick and Morty, I think. The thing is, the animation is the same. The mm. font is the same, especially the font in the credits. It's just <laughs> the exact same credits as Rick and Morty. So it, they're not trying to hide the fact that it's by the same people. And also, Justin Roiland, I think he can only really do three voices, which is yeah. the high-pitched, annoying stuff, the Morty v- voice and the Rick voice. And his character in this is basically Rick, but slightly more American. <laughs> So, I love yeah. that he has it. I respect that he has. He's he's put it out there. It's like this is pretty much Rick and Morty, and I'm not going to try and hide it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I respect that. Exactly. The problem is, it's come out halfway through a Rick and Morty season, so it's kind of mm. hard not to compare them when they're both coming out at the same time. Yeah. So maybe if it was released, I don't know, like two months down the the line, I might think better of it. But at the moment, I think it's a fun show. I'm going to give it a light thumb up. Kind of like Bob's Burgers, it's just something to put on every once in a while, have a bit of, of fun with, and then you forget about when it's over. I would disagree with you there, Sandro. <laughs> I think Bob's Burgers is required viewing. I get all of my like future mum goals from, from um, <laughs> uh, I can't even remember her name right now, um, Linda Belcher. Like, I just think it's... Like, see, Bob's Burgers, is this is a big call, and I might get a lot of hate for this, but please email us. Um, <laughs> I, Bob's Burgers is my Simpsons, my family mm-hmm. animation, because I never watched The Simpsons growing up. So mm. um, it's harder for me to access that now. But Bob's Burgers is like my little like family cartoon, yeah. <laughs> cartoon animation. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I mean, it's definitely more The Simpsons than The Simpsons is at the moment. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> but that's, that, that's what I've been consuming lately. How about yourself, Rob? Um, well, I have uh, been going down uh, an online path, and I'll focus on that. There's some really nice stuff that you can find for free online, mm. um, on the YouTubes, if you need to. <laughs> um, for the last eight weeks, uh, Mr. John Krasinski from uh, The Office um, set about mm. a, a project to... Um, really just bring some positivity in the into the world at the moment so he just said i've always wanted to you know do a have a news program where just focus on the good news because there's so much negativity out there and um and emily blunt his his wife and partner just said we'll do it you've got you know you're locked in there right now do it and so he just said about setting up this uh news program that he put out every monday um focusing on good stories about people being nice to each other people doing what they can to to you know spread positivity and help and heart and hope during this uh during this time of lockdown and crisis and pandemic and it just steamrolled over the last two months into being this 
major event that people would tune yeah. in for would copy and it became a part of the, this this great positive wave um there's you know it was all bipartisan so no politics no anything like that it's all we're all just in this together and just calling yeah. in big celebrities to help out like um in his first episode he interviewed uh, steve carell in his second episode um he got wind of a uh, this uh, young girl who was meant to be going to see hamilton but that was closed down oh. so they got mm. the entire cast of hamilton to do the opening song i can't even ah uh, i cried watching that it's beautiful he put a big lot of effort into uh, the graduating class of 2020. So he put on a graduation, uh, a prom for them. So he got people like Billie Eilish and other performers there. Um, Rain Wilson popped in to do some DJing as well. Um, uh, uh, the a graduation ceremony they went through as well. Uh, and he selected these key children to, um, and they got uh, inspiration um, to have a conversation with this so one girl um, who was this beautiful poet and wanted to be an author and stuff like that she got to have a zoom conference with Oprah Winfrey there was this oh, other wow. guy who got to talk to John Stewart there's another guy who wanted to get into filmmaking they got Steven Spielberg um, just this incredible goodwill this incredible energy like there was a, a couple who were were meant to be getting married uh, or, or he proposed it just before uh, COVID and he did it in the style of the proposal from uh, The Office because they were huge Office fans. So mm. John Krasinski got wind of this and said, well, let's just get married now. He got an online... Um, uh, he got ordained online so that you can just do in the States. You can become a, you know, you can marry people just by doing an online course. Uh, he got Jenna Fisher who played Pam, his, uh, you know, his uh, love interest in the show to be the bridesmaid. He got the entire oh. cast and crew from uh, the office to at home, do their own dances from the wedding episode of the office from season six. Um, and he had just this energy, like every, every uh, episode he'd have, a celebrity do the weather so one week you know he had robert de niro goes how's the weather outside robert de niro open i'll go yeah it's pretty good then he'd have brad pitt then he'd have emma stone just created this great energy and so he's wrapped it up because it's just, as he said it's not sustainable he put invested his entire time and effort in, in getting all these people and donating funds and like taking um essential workers in one of the big hospitals in boston um, uh, to Fenway Park, all this incredible, mm. incredible showing footage of people all around the world. Um, so that's incredible to watch. And all eight episodes are on YouTube. You should check it out. Uh, so I've gone down that path. I've, I've I've been watching a little bit of Darkest Timeline, which is Joel McHale and, um, and <laughs> Ken Chong's um, video podcast that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I saw the most recent one where they interview uh, Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian. Um, mm. It's a great episode. Really fun. They just, just talk shit for an hour and a half and it's just <laughs> hilarious. Um, uh, which led me into watching the community read through. They for, As a fundraiser, they got all the cast of community back, except one notable exception, um, to uh, do a reading of... Um, uh, the episode where Pierce's Pierce Hawthorne uh, uh, it, Will is read out, um, and they couldn't get Walter Goggins because uh, he just wasn't available, so they got Pedro Pascal in because he's friends so with Gillian, Gillian Jacobs. Yeah. Apparently, their friends been friends for years, and it's just great reading it again and then laughing at the jokes and moments where they broke out. Uh, Pedro, uh, when it gets to the big gag at the end of the episode, he cracks up. 
um, which he talks about in the podcast afterwards going, look, everyone thinks that I didn't read the script. I prepared for this. I love community. Yeah. <laughs> I read through the script so many times. I want to get my character right. And I just fucked it up. And everyone kept on trying to give him compliments and he just didn't accept it at all. It was great. So um, good. Yeah, and so Ken and Jacob have a uh, Ken and um, uh, Joel have a really great chemistry, uh, and the reading is great. Having Donald Glover there, and they make fun of him because he's so, you know, so successful, and said so we can only have only have him for five pages. Uh, yeah, and every time <laughs> uh, in the script where it refers to uh, Mister Stone, who Pedro Pascal was reading, uh, all the directions were read by Dan Harmon. So it goes, a man. DeLorean entered and so it just made it <laughs> um, so that's really really good they're really really good and um, uh, finally reunited apart which is Josh Gad's um, attempt to raise some money and raise some spirits during this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic he's uh, focusing on yeah, the the nostalgia wave, where um, he reunites casts from films from the eighties. Uh, so Josh Gad, you all know, is the voice of uh, Olaf from uh, Frozen. He got his big break in uh, Book of Mormon, um, and he's pretty much the go-to Disney guy to do all things. He's been hardcore pushing, trying to get the Muppets back on Disney, which is you know I've got a lot of respect for him for doing that, trying his hardest. Um, and so reunited part, they've done a couple of episodes so far. The first one was reuniting the cast of Goonies. Um, uh, the next one was uh, Back to the Future, where they got a lot of the cast from that back together and the writers and the director. Um, our most recent one is Splash, which was great fun. <laughs> yes, we're doing that on the show soon as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fi- find the one that isn't on... Find find the original theatrical version of it, not the Disney Plus version, where they've uh, CGI'd Daryl Hannah's bum out by covering it <laughs> with more hair. Um, yeah, that CGI work is amazingly terrible. <laughs> yeah, that looks more dated than the actual effects from that era. Um, <laughs> and it's just joyous and fun. And uh, the most recent one is going to be coming... The next one's coming out on the weekend and they've had a tr- teaser for it where they do The Lord of the Rings. And the teaser for that yeah. is just beautiful. That the because um, uh, Sean Astin was of course in the first one with uh, Goonies and um, him back together having the four hobbits on Zoom together when you've got Elijah, Sean, Dominic and Billy all together oh my god it's hilarious um, mm. and, and just see the, the how all four of them are just like without being apart have been apart for like decades they're just still in sync they make a whole running gag about the fact that they're oh they're always on zoom they're always on a conference call <laughs> together um and there's a moment at the end we have we've got to gather this all together so there's the four hobbits and there's Orlando bloom there making a joke about he's just checking that he looked gorgeous of course he did fucking Orlando bloom and they're going but oh, I, I, can't, I, I don't and and they go, but you've got to be able to do this, Elijah. Can you gather all the, everyone together for this? And he goes, I don't know if I can. You know, I, I didn't expect this to happen in my lifetime. And then. And then. Ian McKellen appears on screen and goes, so do all who live to see such times. And you, just in the trailer, you just, yeah. the tears start rolling. Fuck it. Yeah. So, um, so the dangers of nostalgia you forget about here. It's the joy of nostalgia altogether. Um, so they're the things I've been watching all online that is free and easy to get on YouTube. And I highly recommend it. Uh, obviously, we're in Australia, so we are unable to donate to these worthy causes that these um, American um, uh, uh, programs are putting on. But of course, if we uh, would like to reach out and be generous, there is, you know, 
Red Cross and all the wonderful Australian uh, 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 charities to donate to to help people in this time. So yeah, two thumbs up for these shows. They're they're just great fun. They're silly um, and manipulating the format of uh, YouTube to make people feel positive at this time because there is so much horror and injustice and you know uh bad stuff in the world at the moment it's hard to it's it's sometimes you can lose track of the good in the world and there's a lot of good more good and good will always persevere hmm. probably i've been feeling this way because i've just re-watched uh revenge of the sith so i'm just there going <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no hope in the world anymore what's going on so so yes um what about you jen what have you been consuming um, I've been yeah, I've been checking out some of those um, shows that are on the internet as well. Um, I've been lapping up any of the like TV show reunion table reads or discussions. Um, community one. I've watched a Frasier one as well. Oh really? Yeah, they did a, a reunion, just a reunion chat. Yeah. Um, and that I was just crying the whole way through that. Is that on the YouTube's? It is on YouTube. Yeah, I'll find the link for you. Thank you. And also um, a couple of the National Theatre Live at Home um, shows that they've been doing. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. There's so much stuff out there. A lot of the time we have to wait a little bit longer to get it on the YouTube in Australia. Yes. Um, But if you've got a fancy, fancy thing on your computer, you could probably get it quicker. (laughs) He's called Sandro, all right? He's called Sandro. He's called Sandro. (laughs) I mean, it starts with a V and then a P and then an N. (laughs) That's not how you spell Sandro. I, um, <laughs> speaking of light and happy and fun stuff, um, I've been on a bit of a Disney kick. Um, you getting have my, been. my money's worth from my subscription. You've been getting your D on. Getting my D on, my D-I-S-N-E-Y on. Um, Plus. So I missed out on seeing um, the live action. Al- I say I missed out. I didn't. I just didn't want to see it at the movies. <laughs> um, the live action Aladdin and Lion King. So I um, checked yeah. them out the other day. They're fine. Um Aladdin, I really enjoyed. I liked Will Smith. I had really low expectations of his genie, um, but they find a way to make him not blue all the time. Um, so he's kind of like, don't you reckon you'll stand out in Agrabah? And he's like, ah, oh, I'm magic. I can fix that. Boom, I'm a dude. So that was good. Um, but wasn't Jafar so bad? Like, Jafar is bad. Yeah, not menacing at all. He's not. There's Jaff- no re- relish or joy. He's just bad. He's like... He's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's quite scary toward the end, but I didn't see him. He, he just wasn't as um, he wasn't creepy enough either. Like I found Jafar really creepy in the com- in the animation. Oh yeah. Um, he's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I had fun. Um, the songs are really good. The original song they wrote for Jasmine is awful. It sounds not. <laughs> oh. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in that film. It sounds like it's straight out of another film. Like it's like yeah. a modern pop song. And the yeah. intention's good. The intention's good. Okay, we get that. Like in the original, yeah. she doesn't get a song, and and it's kind of like she's moving on. And they do the whole thing of sort of like, okay, no, she's the ruler, and Aladdin's just you know, yeah, no, Aladdin yeah. just isn't put in charge. But they're going, but it's just, it's not done well. No, no. <laughs> it's done yeah. a bit. It's a bit too clunky. Yeah, it is. It doesn't fit. Um, Aladdin's got the bet, in my opinion the best songs in any Disney film. Obviously, there's standout hmm. songs from other films, like from uh, obviously Circle of Life and things like that, but oh, it's um, got... Color of the Wind. You, you, yeah. Oh, I hate that <laughs> um, it opens with Arabian Nights, which is boom. You know exactly where this thing is set. Like, that's one thing I notice about Disney is their opening song is always like, boom, we're in yeah. Africa, boom, we're in Agrabah, boom, we're in uh, New Orleans or whatever. 
But yes, yeah, so you've yeah. got you've got Arabian Nights, and then it follows up with you've got Friend Like Me, you've got Prince Ali, and you've also got a whole new world like Boom Boom Boom. It's just like mm. incredible. So anyway, they had all the good, the songs. Um, they it was fine. I had a lot of fun. Um, I also mm. checked out The Lion King, as I mentioned. It was fine. I still cried when Mufasa died, but it's because I was watching a real lion fall oh. to death. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. for me, it was upsetting because it was it looked so real. Whereas the problem with them looking so real is they have no no emotion. Like you can't show yeah. emotion while you're trying to make them look real. So I did enjoy Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's Billy Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner is a, a living legend. And if anyone was going to fill the big shoes of Nathan Lane, I'm glad they got Billy yeah. Eichner because he brought in his own energy and spark because Nathan Lane has that whole, you know, you know <laughs> what do you want me to do? Dress in a... Yeah. You know, a... So, yeah, it, it was fine. I'm, I'm glad I watched them because they are like... Yeah. The animation, the the um, of the animals, or animation, whatever you could call it, you could barely call it animation because they look so real. is incredible, but it not for, for what it was. And I didn't love Beyonce. Um, no, I didn't no. love her voice acting. No. She didn't. She can sing, but yeah, it, she sing. It's Beyonce. It's not Nala singing. Like it's yeah, anyway. Um, I also rewatched Mary Poppins, love it, and then was just obsessed with it. So I was like, I need all the Mary Poppins stuff. So I watched Saving Mr. Banks, which I hadn't seen before. So uh, good. Oh, really? Sobbed my way through that as it, well. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. I cry every time. I friggin' love that. Emma Thompson is so good in it. Mm, when they're yeah. singing um, the Bank song and she looks at the picture of Mr. Banks and she's just like, no, he wasn't bad. Like, why are you making him sound like he was awful? He wasn't. I've let him down again. And I was just like, <gasps> and then when they get up and dance and she gets up and dances with Let's them. Let's go fly and... a kite. Oh, my <sighs> God. She goes to <laughs> Disneyland with Walt Disney and just the moments I was just, and at the end when they show it and she's crying and she's like, I just can't abide cartoons. <laughs> And Walt's like, mm-hmm. Uh, just, it, oh, and even the flashbacks as well. Like, Colin Farrell um, is amazing um, in anything. But... A little little bit of my uh, touch with stardom there. The young girl who played P.E.L. Travers as a kid yep. Yep. is my second cousin. Well, there oh. you go. Can they she can't... organize for me to meet everybody? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, now I want to go read the books because I haven't read them before. They're yeah, way different, way different. Yeah. Yeah, but from what I could tell, they absolutely are. Um, I also watched Onward. Yeah, I, I'd give it a um, – I don't think it's as amazing as everybody seemed to think it was. I think it's a one thumb up for me. I had a really good time. I think I had really high expectations. I think, um, yeah, it seems like p- people going in with high expectations are saying the same thing as you. I went in with low expectations, and maybe that's why yeah. I'm more positive. I still so, cried at the end, yeah. but not that that's anything to cry. With my track record, so. Um, but what I wanted to quickly talk about, which I've just used up most of my time, but anyway, um, two docos on Disney Plus about Disney that I have been enjoying. Um, the first one I haven't finished, so I'll just mention it and I'll review it later. Is called Prop Culture. So each episode, um, it follows a, a guy who collects props and movie memorabilia, basically, um, and he. Uh, focuses on a film each episode and he goes and tries to find the original props and like chase them and talk to people and reintroduce actors and directors with the props that they haven't seen in years. Um, So the first episode is Mary Poppins. Again, um, he finds one of the carousel horses uh, and the snow globe and Jane's outfit and just these props that back when Mary Poppins was made, props were just 
a means to an end, you used it in the film and then you chucked it. Like it was, or you reused it, repainted it. So people didn't keep stuff like that. It's really, so, some really beautiful pieces. Um, uh, we did Tron in the second episode, um, which was which was really cool. I haven't seen it. Um, I tried to watch it before and really struggled. <laughs> yeah. But for what it was, I, I get it. The only thing I found with that is um, the moment he visits the director and he's like, do you remember this prop? And in previous episode, he'd gotten these emotional reactions from um, from the actors and uh, and even in Tron, some of the actors got had really emotional connections with um, the neon sign and um, of the arcade and some of the helmets and things. And he was it felt a little bit forced with the director. And I think mm. the director's quite um, he seemed quite uh, disillusioned with the whole thing because Tron didn't do as well as I think he'd hoped it would. So this guy almost felt like he was like. Uh, look here's the this and he's like yeah I remember when we used that yeah that was cool and then he's like oh I've got some old stuff in the garage and he's just got original scripts and original toys and stuff and he's kind of like yeah there's this and this and this and the prop collector's like oh this stuff's amazing and the director's like yeah so it's interesting like he's just a hermit like he's he's gone off the grid he's made this film about off the grid (laughs) yeah tech and he's now he like makes wood he like woodworks basically so um there's some beautiful moments, but some of them, classic Disney, feel a little bit forced, um, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was the other episode I watched where um, oh, yeah. he introduces, he, he speaks with Rick Moranis, um, who is completely different off screen. Like, he's so straight, so serious, Like, yeah. but he makes, like, he cracks a slight joke and you're like, yeah, he's funny, but he's just not, he's not playing up to it. Um, uh, reintroduces him with, like, his glasses and stuff like that. Um, which are prescription. He's like, well, can I have these back? Because they're really cool. <laughs> um, and the shrink ray as well. They actually interview Rick Moranis? Wow. So um, it's quite a short part of the episode, whereas the, in the other episodes, those parts are quite long. Um, so, so far that's been really good, but I will might talk about that again later once I finish it. Um, they also do uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, oh, great. And uh, the next episode was something I didn't really care about, so I haven't watched much since. <laughs> um <laughs> And then I watched, uh, it's a 52-minute doco called One Day at Disney. Um, It focuses on a few different people who work for Disney in different different levels from an animator who basically is, is, like, he's been working there for years um, and he gets to animate. Just his portfolio is incredible, all these characters that he's been able to draw, Um, to a vet that works at Animal Kingdom at Disney World Florida, to a prop builder at Galaxy's Edge who just, like, gets emotional about his job like a lot of all these people absolutely just love what they do they just talk about how they're bringing magic into the world whether it's from yeah building props and building the world of star wars for people and then on opening day just seeing people come in and be like that's the millennium falcon right there or that's you know the cantina um and my favorite one is the one of the train drivers that drives the disney railway at disneyland and he's just like he, he he just talks about how he loved trains and he loved Disney and then all this. And then now he's driving the trains. He was like one of the first drivers. And it's just like seeing this guy talk about something, what we probably see as a very simple job driving a train, Mm. but he's so passionate about it. He talks about like (laughs) the people and it's just beautiful. I'm like, I want to go on the train. I want to go back and I want him (laughs) to drive me around because he Bloody loves Disneyland and he loves trains and I respect that. <laughs> um, and they also talk, they flash back and forth with Bob Iger and he talks about his position in the company, obviously, and how he came to be there. Um, and look, yeah, it is a bit of a puff piece, I suppose, but 
you know, they would have seeked out these people because they were happy in their jobs. But um, it gives you a little um, one, it gives you an insight on how big the company is and mm. what, and how over, like, just finger in every pie, basically. Because they also uh, talked to Robin Roberts from Good Morning America, um, which is owned by Disney. So, yeah, it's just like, and you also get a glimpse into just the little, like, the people you don't think of when you think of Disney. Um, so, yeah, I, I love a good doco um, and all the Disney ones. Like, there's a, so many on there at the moment. Um, also helps that it's narrated by Sterling K. Brown. So, oh, you know, you've got, well, you've got that voice yeah. booming over for, you for 52 minutes. <laughs> um, so, I think there's, like, there's a bunch of, there's one called, like, the Illum- uh, the Imaginaries the that looks at, like, more people that work for Disney. <laughs> so, they're really, they're, it's almost like propaganda, but I'm buying every, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every word every word of it they've sold me like uh, 10 future tickets to disneyland just from that show alone so <laughs> you're talking last week about um uh you know the art gallery or the galleries show about the Mandalorian, yeah. and so i caught yeah. up with that last night yeah, and cool. i just saw episode four which is about how they shot the whole thing and oh, well, I haven't yeah seen that the, yeah it's about Incredible. the volume how yeah. everything is shot using vr and you know, gaming technology uh, that he explored a little bit with um, uh, Jungle Book and he explored even further with uh, Lion King and they've kind of perfected mm. with Mandalorian. Yeah. And you just see how the entire eight episodes was shot in one studio and it is incredible. And it's not That's this case cool. of... Oh, it's, it, it, it's amazing how much effort they put into making this show. And it looks perfect. The Mandalorian is yeah. shot beautifully. And just to find out there was no location work nope. at all. It's just, it's, just, yes, they didn't go anywhere other than yeah, one room. It's just this, it's basically a giant IMAX screen. I didn't that know It's just that. like a digital background that, yeah, you move the camera That's... and then the background moves. So it looks terrible if you're like watching them act <laughs> and that's the thing yeah yeah like from outside looking at it it looks horrible and disjointed yeah but it's looking at it through the camera mm. it doesn't that's like cool. you know the whole reality of if you're in you know um uh world of warcraft or any of those type of immersive games where the world has to shift and change with when you, where you look at it and so in camera it shifts and it's all fluid movement but if you're on the outside watching from a camera it's all jarring yeah. and it's a huge yeah. a huge like uh curved area and then the flat screen at mm. the top so, so it's cool. all screens and yeah. it's just yeah incredible which is one of the main reasons why i guess season two hasn't been delayed because all they need they're is not going anywhere yeah they can just record it from this one studio get some guy in like a mandalorian armor pedro does the voiceover later like it's yeah probably quite expensive to film but still quite simple Mm. I don't know. I was so surprised. I, I don't know why I was so surprised because obviously they're not going to have a microphone in his side of his suit. But when they showed in season three, I think when they talk about the cast, him doing the voiceover, and I was like, felt a bit <laughs> cheated. I was like, what? It's of course it is, Jenny. You're a fucking idiot. The sound would have been awful if they recorded it live. Um, I assume he's speaking the lines on set so that the, the other actors have something to mm. respond to. Um, I do have a question that's coming from slight place of i just don't know a lot about this kind of stuff um do you think that the mandalorian in the way it was shot in that with vr and video game technology is that something you reckon that could have been could have been achieved 
without Disney's money. Ooh. Like, do you think The Mandalorian even would have been made if Disney didn't buy out? Like, you know, um, it's. I think it's it. It's not so much about the money. It's like it's about the the level of technology, mm. and that's what Favreau talks about. Yeah. Is that um, the sequences that they've been going through is just what they've assumed the technology could do, but then uh, through okay. like little hints of it here or there, like we found out with well, we'll shoot. Um, Jungle Book in this particular way that I've learned from all my other films and I'll strip it right back and then he learned about the difficulties with lighting. Lighting is the big thing. I don't know if you've seen it Sandra but they talk a lot about it. Lighting fucks up a lot especially with green screen because you've got a all, you, you're kind of sure. as they say you're kind of guessing that you've got it right and you'll mm. just have to fix it in post really and you might have to adjust things here or there or if you need to change lighting a bit you have to reset everything and I've done a little bit of green screen work while I've been filming yeah. uh, I've done a little bit of filming with green screen and the lighting is so specific in green screen if you needed to mm. move the camera even uh, half a centimeter Everything has Everything, to be reset. Yeah. So they wanted <laughs> yeah. to solve that problem and they explored a little bit of that with Lion King and now they've just gone to the next phase and they have a section where George Lucas comes on and he talks about mm. what he wanted to achieve and what he was hoping to do, but he was, as Catherine Kennedy says, he was just 10 years ahead of the technology. His thoughts, yeah. he, they just did not have it built in, you know, yeah, like in right. the 70s, the stuff he was thinking, they had to create that technology to do shots we take for granted now. Yeah. When he was doing yeah. it in the late 90s, he went, I think it's kind of ready. And he's talking about filming everything yeah. in digital cameras and everyone was thinking it was heresy. And now um, yeah. the Mandalorian is all... Yeah, That's they're the using this gaming mm. technology, which has improved so much. Like VR is no longer what it used to be. It is so much more. And it's still like VR is still... In its infancy, really, it's it's Definitely, getting yeah. it's getting it to, yeah. to a commercial level, but it's still, you know, um, decades away from where it will really be. And so, embracing that into the technology, the money helps, but it means that yeah. what they can put within that set is limitless. Is like they they can build, um, you know, a section of a, a of a of a sand crawler and the minute detail of yeah. that is incredible and they can fill it with whatever sand or dust or mud or grass or whatever. They can just bring it in, bring it out, bring it in, bring it out. And they you know as David um, Filoni yeah. says, it's sort of like if I want to go back in and change something, I can just go in and it takes half an hour to set up. They just go, Okay, well we've got the set here, bring it all in and yeah, they just, okay. Instead of being like, well, we can't go back to that location. Yeah. Exactly. Or second yeah. unit stuff yeah. they do months later. And that's what got in the way of the the prequels, especially if you look at Star Wars Episode sure. 2. They shot it all on Sydney, um, the first round of shooting. And then Lucas said, oh, okay, I've got to reshoot some stuff. But by that stage, you and McGregor had already gone off, shaved off his beard and shaved his head for, for Black Hawk <laughs> Down. So he had to come back for yeah. some pickups. And he had an appalling wig and an appalling <laughs> facial hair. Oh. And you can just pick. Yeah, it's Terrible. still jarring to this day. You watch it go, well, that okay, that's a pickup. That's a pickup. Um, and so, yeah, it's just that case of the money has helped make it quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'll, um, I'll check that episode out, actually, after we're, we're done yeah. here. Hook me up to the Disney IV the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
and I'll, I mean, and for the next little while. I haven't seen Jungle Book, so that one's next on my list. Jungle Book's good. Oh, I love yeah. Jungle Book. Yeah. I, yeah, Jungle Book is really good. Cool. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 think... didn't, I didn't like uh, Lion King at all, because I'll just say, can you feel the love tonight? And they did it in the middle of the fucking day. And they did it in the day, yeah. I also didn't feel the love. I didn't. I no. did not feel the love at all. Donald Glover was great. Billy Eichner was great. Um, John uh, Oliver was pretty good. Yeah, I liked him. Oh, yeah, it was all right. Schmidt. Yeah, I, I like Seth, Seth Rogen. I think it was a good tech demo for what The Mandalorian turned into. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's, That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was the stepping stone for Favreau to do you know, yeah. his masterpiece. Yeah. I will say, though, if you're looking for Disney movies, no one's talked about it mm-hmm. but the live action lady in the tramp movie yeah. i thought was very good i don't like dogs so <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i've had a couple controversial opinions i don't really like dogs so i never really i like 101 dalmatians i never really liked lady in the tramp maybe i don't have the the, the movies that i'm watching i'm finding i have a nostalgic connection to so i'm i wanted to watch lion king i wanted to watch aladdin but i never really watched lady in the tramp so i don't really have a motivation okay. same with jungle book i didn't really watch it um but I've, maybe I'll watch those two next. And it's Tessa Thompson. Is Tessa Thompson as Lady? Tessa Thompson is Lady and... Uh, is it Thoreau? F- yeah, the guy from The Leftovers. I was is... like, Louis Thoreau? <laughs> no, Justin, yeah. Justin Thoreau. I think Lady and the Tramp, Jungle Book, and Cinderella I love are the three Cinderella. remakes that one, probably needed to be made, yeah. and two, work as films. We, haven't had, a, we haven't had a live-action Snow White, have we? We ha- No, because um, they did Mirror, they did mirror. mirror. Snow White and the Kristen Huntsman. Stewart one. They haven't done a Disney version of it. I, I, I really love. I'm a huge fan of the remake of Pete's Dragon. I think it's. Uh, See, I never watched that either. Oh yeah, I've been meaning to check that out for years since you first saw it. I didn't like Beauty and the Beast. I didn't like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I, I kind of hated it. Uh, it's weird. I didn't. I expected to not like it, but I really enjoyed it. Again, that's a nostalgic thing. I think I was just like, it's just, it's Beauty and the Beast done something in a different way. Like I'm just, mm. I'm enjoying it. But yeah. I'm looking forward to Milan. I hope Milan is everything that I Milan's want it to good. be. Yes, Hercules would be a cool one too to do, actually. Oh, Hercules as well. I'm very keen for Emma Stone playing Cruella in a Cruella movie. Yeah, oh. set in like 1970s London. I don't know if I'd, I'm looking forward to that. The promo picture that they released with her in the costume was really good. Yeah, so like it could be good. It's I don't weird. Know. I haven't learned. Every time I see Emma Stone in a film, I'm really skeptical. And then she always impresses me. I don't know why I haven't learned that you like I, that I like her. Like, I just <laughs> go, oh, Emma Stone, I don't know. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, she's great, Jen. And then the next time I'm like, oh, Emma Stone, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't <laughs> learn from my own. Just go with it. Just go with that. It's the circle of life. So, yes, that is what we have been consuming lately. Um, which has been a lot by the sounds of it. Um, so we're going to move on to the crux of this. Well, not really the crux, but an important discussion. Uh, we are <laughs> going to talk about, as I might have given you a clue at the start of the episode by quoting His Holiness, FBI <laughs> agent Dale Cooper. <laughs> that's just a little egg. That's a that's what, that's what we in the biz call an egg. An egg, a little yeah. egg. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk us through, Sandra, why we're, why we're talking about Twin Peaks? so late in the after it came out why so back in nerd out the early days of nerd out when jen was not a regular host bad time the dark times yeah the we don't talk about them uh (laughs) rob and i were talking about how hey the return twin peaks the return is coming to tv soon but neither of us have watched it we should eventually watch it um three years later here we are (laughs) We're, we're watching all of twin peaks 
Um, we are pretty much syncing up the speed at which we watch them. We are both right now at the halfway point of season two, and we're here to talk about it finally yeah. on Nerd Out. Yeah, Twin I am. Peaks. I um, I've been reconnecting with a dear old friend of mine who I went to university with, Mr. Alexander Jones. Uh, we've been zooming pretty much every weekend for the last uh, three or four weeks. And he's been uh, he's been the one who's been finally been able to crack through the 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 veneer of um, oh I can't touch that oh I'm not going to touch hard it hard Twin Peaks exterior yeah and just said look you've got to do it thank you Alex yes thank you Alex so he's there going you've got to see it and and I'll watch it with you Rob and you know we'll talk through it and it'll be great and I said to Caitlin I'm thinking of doing Twin Peaks and Caitlin went. Oh, I'll do it. I'll be there. I'm there. So that's why we've got... Uh, Speaking of Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, friend of the podcast Hi. back, Caitlin Yolland. I uh, exist. We're live. I'm here. Caitlin... We're probably not live. It's going out at a later time. Yeah, come out later. For us, we're live. <laughs> yeah. Last time you were here, Caitlin, <laughs> yeah. we were just merely engaged. <laughs> oh, and mm. now we're married. married. That's how... And watching Twin Peaks. That's a test. Great. That's a good, te- a re- good relationship test. Watching Twin Peaks together. Yeah, and I think it's a good it's a good balance because I you know, with my obsession with pop culture and nerdiness and stuff like that, it's kind of I've been Twin Peaks adjacent for the last mm. thirty years, so I've always known about it. It was a big thing while I was in high school and all this type of stuff, but I never really got into it. And uh and Caitlin knows nothing about it. So I'm uh, certain mm. it exists. Yeah. And so yeah, when That's- I when I posted it online, the amount of feedback from all the people within my circle just went, yes, yes, yes. And then just rolled off into this case of, oh, we, we should talk about this more. And I went, well, let's, you know, I think, you know, someone suggested let's form a group. And then we just added this group. And so now it's all of us together talking about yeah. Twin Peaks as we go along. So there's Caitlin, myself, Jen, Sandro, Jason Geary, um, uh, Keith Gow, uh, Rob Berg and Al has joined in because he's not on Facebook, but his wife is, so she's joined the group as well. <laughs> so we're Love all talking it. about it one episode at a time. Yeah, Sandra, for you, what was your sort of motivation to to start watching it above the, the fact that you hadn't? Like, was there a particular mm. thing that drew you to it? I remember when the return started. I bought the box set because I was very intrigued as a casual fan of David Lynch at that yeah. point. I think, like, I watched quite a few of his stuff, like Mulholland Drive, obviously, like, on my friends. Like, I feel like that's one, that's the movie that kind of hit my friend group pretty hard compared to Twin Peaks. I feel like yeah. my friendship groups maybe, I don't know, 10 years too young for Twin Peaks. I don't really know anyone who's watched it. Yeah, and someone interesting that, you know, your age to be interested in it. Like, I thought I was pretty young when I went, oh, you know, I'm going to start watching that. Like, a lot of people are like, what? Why would you want to watch that? You're too young. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, like, that there is still people that are 10 years younger than me that, that are, <laughs> you know, that have a connection in some way to it that want to watch it. Just to give a bit yeah. of you know, you know perspective here, so I was in <laughs> I was twelve years old. I was in year seven when Twin Peaks started in nineteen ninety, and watching it Love now that. at forty at forty two, I'm there going, yeah, there is no way in hell I could have watched this uh, when it first came out. Yeah, absolutely not. No. Oh yeah, if I started if I started watching this when I bought the box set, I would have like not gotten it at all. I'm glad I'm watching <laughs> I mean, it now. I um I studied. I went to two classes of film and TV in first year uni and then I quit. 
um, the class and we were doing Fire Walk With Me. Oh. And the um, the dream sequence in the Red Room just stuck with me and I just had no fucking idea. I was eight, freshly 18, um, but not like a Sandra 18, like a Jen Spears 18, so I had no fucking clue. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, there's just like no way. If I'd started watching the series, I wouldn't have, I would have hated it. So I'm glad that I came to it later, um, almost, you know, what, 10 years later. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same. And I think that um, one of the things that was true for both of us and probably you as well, Sandro, is that because it was such a cult following, it was like, if we get into Mm. this, we're getting into it deep. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is a commitment. Like, we're not just casually going to be watching this. This is... We're going to be watching all of the special yeah. features. We're going to be watching all of the <laughs> yeah. extra information. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that four-hour documentary that yeah. Geary's into. I'm, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. <laughs> I think even if you go in to the show with the attitude of I'm just going to watch this casually, Twin Peaks doesn't allow nah. that. Yeah, yeah, ask yeah. so many fucking questions that any human being that is a human being, you we need we need to know answers. That's just like what we're like. So even if you're going, I'm just going to casually watch it. You're like, well, I don't have any answers, so I'm going to read the books and I am going to w- listen to this podcast because I need someone needs to tell me what's going yeah, on. Basically, yeah, yeah. I've got a friend who's a big fan of Riverdale. And they were like, I really like Riverdale. I want to watch some stuff that inspired it. Is this me? So they watched Twin Peaks. And uh, like after the first maybe four episodes went, what is any of this? No. Uh, I said to Rob and I didn't even, because, you know, I don't know things. I didn't even realize the connection. I was like, this is a lot like a better version of Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what they want. That's the whole point. I was like, oh. Um, But yeah, for me watching it now, they're going, everyone uses it as a throwaway line now. But it really did. It really changed television because Mm. I'm watching it going, this went out. A yeah. regular television time. This was before HBO was a thing. This is yeah. way before streaming services. This is before mm. anything like that. Even before like you know cassettes were were kind of a thing. <laughs> but it was you know this was before you know the DVD market and all this type of stuff. So it's a case of from what I remember, early nineties was still quite holding on the naivety of television oh, from sort of like the eighties and stuff like that. So bringing in something that was so serialized that was the script writing is so dense and so complicated. The direction, whenever Lynch is directing, is such above board. It's it's phenomenal that not only this show got on TV, but it lasted mm. as long as it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everything else has changed because of it. Everything, everything big on TV now or streaming now, you can see has its basis in, in Twin Peaks. It feels like it took a long time for that to happen though i mean this is 1990 like shows were doing one long season is one long story that started Mm, happening like 10 years later the early 2000s i mean season four of enterprise was the first time star trek did that Mm. and that's what 12 years after this came out shows like twin peaks heavily influenced stuff like uh one of my favorite tv shows in the early 90s was called homicide life on the street which uh gave the world Andre brower uh now you know of course from brooklyn 99 mm. but that show was very much a similar thing to uh twin peaks that it shifted mm. the genre of the cop drama and it had more of an ensemble cast as opposed to cop shows at the time which were two leads 
um, and more action-based. This was, you know, some cases would go over a couple of episodes as opposed to TV in the 70s and 80s where you had to solve every problem mm. uh, at the end of the episode. Um, some cases yeah. weren't solved. So that slowly happened there. Then you've got stuff like Deep Space Nine, which was uh, panned for so long within the Star Trek community and also the broader community because it did this whole long story arcs, serialized type approach to storytelling as opposed to um, Next Gen and the original series, which was go to a new planet, see a new you know human being with bumps on their head. Um, so the influences were slow and small, and then mm. you didn't see big changes, obviously, until like you know early two thousands, and then so on. And now, of course, with streaming services and binging becoming a major thing, these shows are being revisited, mm. and so those shows that were a little bit influenced and made a little bit of impact. Um, uh, getting some recognition now that they deserve. But... I would say even more than being revisited. I don't think you could find a not serialized show if you try, like, <laughs> except for reality television maybe. Yeah, but yeah, do you know what I true. mean? Like, I don't think you could find a not narrative arc across an entire season if you uh, if you even yeah. tried it's just like it's not how we tell stories anymore yeah it became no. it became taken over in the mid to late 90s with like genre television really embraced it so um uh, joss whedon brought it in with buffy yeah, and stuff like yeah. that it's interesting um uh this is a spoiler free discussion so i'm just gonna say like um we just nowadays i mean you're i i remember it but like having to wait a week for <laughs> the next episode with cliffhangers that he gives you and like season cliffhanger of season one, the shit that goes down at the end of that episode. And what's well, not a full year or however many months you had to wait, but can you imagine not just being able to flick across even to watch the first, like I do this a lot where it'll be a big cliffhanger. And I'm like, I'm just going to watch the first five minutes. Cause I just need to know if that person mm. did this or that person survived or whatever. I just can't fathom having to wait that long for that between seasons. I got to experience it because I watched um, The Return when it came when it first came out, so I had to wait. They came out weekly. Mm. Um, so I got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to wait a week <laughs> for another episode of a Lynch show, <laughs> and it is um, really, really, really awful it is <laughs> and of course and of course all the hardcore fans like al and keith and uh, yep. jason have been and rob have been saying to us online you're not a real fan unless you wait the 25 years <laughs> in between season two and season three yeah. So, can you yeah. imagine doing that now? Like, can you imagine the commitment of going? I'm gonna wait. Yeah, Al, Al said. To, Al said to me. Al said to me. Um, of course, you'll have to start watching season three in 2045. Yeah, yeah. I'm rewatching it at the moment. I watched it for the first time maybe two years ago. Mm. So um, I'm in a way I'm watching it again. There's a lot of storyline that I've forgotten. Like I'll even mention a character, and Patty will be like wait, who's that again? And I'm like, oh, it's this person, this person. He's seen it however many times, but there's so much in it. There's so many characters who come and go. Yeah, I was actually saying that to Rob last night. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing it a second and third time. Like, I'm already excited to see it again and, like, pick up more every time because it really feels like that sort of dense show that will have so many layers. Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long, but I am having a fucking ball. I've, I've like, binged the first season in one day (laughs) while unemployment, Um, and then I'm slowly making my way through season two. The first time I watched it, um, at a certain point, which we will know what that is, I kind of fell off because Mm. I the main kind of story had kind of come to a conclusion and I was like, well, what's the rest of this season going to be? And I kind of, it kind of got very lynch. Um, And 
quite a big, not big for its boots, but it be, it became a much bigger thing. And I kind of lost momentum and kind of it took me a lot longer to watch it. But second time around, I'm like, I'm all for it. I'm all for the other stories that as opposed to the main story that you get kind of obviously drawn into when you first watch it because that's what it is, the whole first season is. But from someone who's seen The Return and now can kind of, yeah, it's really interesting watching a second time because you, you're watching it for a different reason. Almost. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I remember when you first started watching it, Rob, you messaged us in the group and said, uh, or Caitlin, you said, I didn't even realize it was a murder mystery. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I knew that it was called Twin Peaks. I love that. Like I knew when I first watched it, I knew it was about this girl, Laura Palmer, who's been killed. That's yep. it. I didn't realize, yep. and I was like, sweet, it's a murder mystery. Love a murder mystery. And then I kept watching it, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, is it? And then season two is like, yeah, that's basically a murder mystery, but there's all this other shit. And then, you know, season three is just like. It's about a super strong cheerleader with an eye patch. That's it's not what you ever think it is. It's, yeah. it's completely different. So um, I can't wait for you guys to get to the return. I'm going to like. Yeah, I'm very excited Ooh. for that. Just 18 hours of solid lynch. I'm so keen. <laughs> Yeah, because I've got like your group, the group chat that I'm in, and then um, Sandra will message me sometimes to ask us something or uh, to not put in the group if people aren't up to it. And then I've got a message with Keith as well, <laughs> where we're like, oh, the Yoloids are up to this episode. And I'm like, oh, remember this part? And then he's like, I can't wait for them to get to this part in season three. And so we're literally like, every every couple of hours, you'll notice it and it's happening. Someone goes, what are you up to, Yoloids? Uh, what episode are you up to? You always send okay. it around 10 or 11 a.m. when both of us are, like, working and not together. And I'm to? like, I don't have any fucking idea. And then um, when you're watching, uh, no spoiler, season uh, episode six, um, and Keith, I think, was sort of watching it at the same time. You guys synced it up. And he was messaging me and he's like, they're about to get to this bit. They're about to get to this bit. And then you guys were chatting away in the chat and he goes, okay, watch the TV now. And I was like, guys, focus. <laughs> this that's great. Um, I have to say, uh, watching again, going back to being able to watch it week to week, it does give you that week to go to listen to every podcast that every middle-aged white guy has done about. <laughs> yeah. And so when you get to the next episode, you're like, oh, well, yeah, well, that's because the last episode clearly that resembled that, so that was foreshadowing. And you're like, nobody actually knows. Everybody's <laughs> just guessing at what shit means. And that's kind of the fun, that's the fun of it. Yeah, mm. I've seen enough Lynch to just go, you know what, like, I'm I'm gonna give up. Like I was watching a uh, Mulholland Drive, and I was with it. Way, I was right up to the point where everyone knows where everything just goes to shit. And I went, "Why am I even trying?" And I, from yeah. that moment on, I just went, "Nope." That's the way to do I'm it. just 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 let it wash over me. Sure, there's gonna be a white horse in the middle of a fucking room. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking Lynch, all right. Caitlin's in a situation at the moment that I was in when I first watched. I coming in with not. I really didn't have much Lynch experience and I had no idea about Twin Peaks. Are you um, finding, uh, for example, season one, everything that he chooses to zoom in on, every object, every every line, you're going, it's a clue? Like you're waiting for it to come yeah. to fruition? I think yeah. I'm definitely looking for patterns. And like Rob and I have both been talking about those together, which is really nice because he'll be yeah. like, the, the, that thing is you know, shown up in all sorts of different ways. And I'll be like, Ooh, well, I feel yeah. like this piece of music has been in the mm. background, like all the, t- you know, and so there's a lot of like trying to recognize the like thematically stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. And then so. something and a storyline ends and you're like, but they didn't explain what that thing was. <laughs> yeah. like, don't tell me that I remembered that for no absolute, no reason. Like, 
I remembered that little detail and it didn't come to anything. Yeah. And I think watching it with someone else is great, a great way to do it. I think I also have this like emotional level of protection. Like I don't want to care about stuff I shouldn't have to care about. So I'm like trying not to delve too, like I'm, I'm consciously blocking that impulse where I'm like, oh, I don't want to care too much about all the details because it might mean yeah. nothing and then I'll just be sad. Lynch chose to look at that object and zoom in on that yeah. point for 30 seconds. I reckon that's nothing. That's going to be yeah. nothing. I'm not even going to waste my time. That was just a flower on a desk. Like, Ro- just... Rob's got a good attitude, actually. Just being like, whatever. I'm just, I don't even care. I don't even care. I'm coming in as well as a big Lynch fan, having watched mm. a lot of his interviews as well. I'm going, he doesn't really care about the meaning behind any of this so i'm kind of just letting it wash over me but then at the same time i'm like mm. but mark frost does so maybe i should be <laughs> absorbing a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit more <laughs> that's the thing, like... such a different the team they're so different in the way that they do stuff but they just meld and you're like well who do i believe yeah here? do i believe frost or do i believe lynch or do i believe um and uh, the freaking composer because his music's telling me that this is supposed to be scary and it's not <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it, yeah, because, you know, I love finding out the behind-the-scenes stuff as much as the... Me too. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm watching it, what's on screen, and then that's going to be my joy of to go... Because I know bits of it here and there, because, like, as I said, I'm, like, Twin Peaks adjacent. I was a part of that, you know, when the, the marketing campaign was Who Killed Laura Palmer? Who Killed Laura Palmer? That was all that was around for, like, two years. Yeah. Um, or a year and a half. But um, I'm looking forward to finding out, like finding out clarifications of you know the struggles they had with the studio, with with the network, and yeah. you know the behind the scenes stuff about casting and and, and yeah. who got on well and who didn't go on well, like myths about you know certain characters in disguise and whether they were told by the cast or not, all that type of yeah. stuff. I love to read out mm. about. I think that's a good a good thing to delve into because. As from experience, trying to delve into meaning, as you mentioned, Lynch, you get nothing from Lynch. Like he he deals with dreams. Like there was a I can't remember there was an episode, um, and someone talks about dreams, um, and Patty just leans over and goes, "I can actually hear Lynch saying that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> dreams are this and this. It was um Major Briggs, and he's like, I had this dream, oh, yes, and this this good. this, yeah. and dreams are just this and this, and whereas um dreams are your your brain categorizing the day whereas this was a vision and I, and patty was like i can hear lynch saying that and that sometimes that's all you get from lynch is can you explain this he's like it's like a dream and you're like oh that doesn't help <laughs> just tell me who this was and what is this and yeah so <laughs> it's frustrating in like the best possible way i think that's the way i describe twin peaks yeah i get very frustrated but in the in the best possible interesting way. Hmm. we will talk about obviously we'll get you back on caitlin um, and we'll, t- we'll talk about it in length. Thank you. I would be honoured and excited to be part of that. And you can't, it's almost like you can't. You just can't talk about Twin Peaks in, what, 20 minutes and be like, yep. <laughs> yeah, that, sum- that summarises the, the entire emotional experience we've all just had. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for as a first impression, you are midway through season two, so it's past the first impression, but um, if you were to rate it at the moment, mm. what would you rate Twin Peaks? Uh, two thumbs up. Yep. Yeah. Cool, Rob. Yeah. Oh, I give it a a a, a white horse standing in a <laughs> in a living room. We have wow. our new rating system. Good. Has to be Lynchian. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'd I'd give it a I'd give it a flower that we focus on for thirty mm. seconds for no apparent reason. <laughs> Love it, Sandra. Uh, a red flashing light at a traffic oh. crossroad. Every yes. two scenes. This is 
making it seem a lot weirder than it is. Can I, I just say, it's like, I feel... I invested too much thought process into the red lights. That's got to mean something. I'm there going, just fucking calm down, Rob. I feel like, like, I thought that 90% of it would be this content, whereas it's more like 10%, and then it's yeah. like... It's just it's just enough that it's always there in the back of your mind, but it's not like it's most of what you're watching. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. when it started... Pretty much the whole pilot, I went, oh, this is a lot more normal um, character and narrative based than I expected. And then you reach the end of episode two and it's like, ah. I think I remember that exact moment that happened for both of you, all three mm. of you. Because I think someone, I don't, I think it was Rob maybe um, put in the group, he was like, oh yeah, this is pretty. And I'm like waiting for the lynch. And then I went, oh. <laughs> See, episode yeah. two, Coop falls asleep. Oh. oh. And then followed by, now I wonder how they shot that. I think this is how they, I reckon this is how they shot that. And I was like, oh, I love you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go, well, that was not very, yeah. ooh, there we go. There, there it is. It is. Yeah. And then the second half of season two is very, oh, there it is. And then season three is just like, there it is. <laughs> there it all is. Oh, there it all is. <laughs> Already, like I'm loving the best part. That is the community that we have that we're sharing it with. That are going along with it with us. They are willingly here to go. This is how we can help you. We want to. We feel like we're kind of their their drug and their addicted to us. (laughs) Yeah, we want to feel that experience of watching. I would absolutely respond this way if anyone was like reading Harry Potter for the first time. Like absolutely, that is absolutely what is happening. Every time I see a notification that says. Rob or Caitlin or Sandro have posted in the Twin Peaks group posting thing. I'm like, oh, what are they asking? What are they commenting? What are they up to? That's what it feels like sometimes when you put just a single word in a group and everyone goes, oh, that scene or oh, devastating or fucking amazing. And you're like, these are my people. Mm. I'm the whole town. I'm the whole town. I'm the whole town. I am the woods. I am the town. I am the lodge. I am or the room above the convenience store. Well, um, yeah, we'll definitely check back in um once whether it's next episode or a couple episodes. Um, once you guys are all done, I think we'll check back in after you finish the return. I reckon. Yeah, Yeah, that should be another three, four hours. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll catch you in a few hours. What's that? That's uh, we got. 10 episodes of the main show, two movies, then 18 episodes. We'll probably do that in a week. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I do want to ask, are you guys planning on watching the movie in between? Definitely, yes. yeah, definitely. Great. I would recommend that. And the missing pieces as well, which is all the deleted scenes yeah. we've been told to watch. I haven't actually seen that. I'm going to watch that when you guys Yay! watch that. Um, I watched season one and two, and then I watched the movie just before the return came out, which was probably only about six months um, in between those two things. But the movie... This is a big call because it's really not true, but it answers a lot of questions mm. because it gives you Laura a bit of Laura's point of view. Um, so you actually get to see some scenes that have only ever been um, speculated about by other characters. Yes. Um, and for me, I was like, oh, oh, thank you. It's also really, really dark. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it and saying, this is rated R rating plus. The TV show is M. What's like this? It's Something's got to be a lot different in this film. It's R. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I did it's not very know that. Vi- it's very violent. Um, right. It's really full on, actually. I didn't expect going into it. I was like, oh, it's more Twin Peaks stuff. Great. I love it. <laughs> and then I finished that and I was like, every time I hear the theme song, um, the opening of Twin Peaks, I find it very sad. Patty doesn't. But I find it, like, quite – it's melancholy, obviously, but – I just like I hear that and I have to skip it. I'm just like I can't listen to that because of the movie. Oh, okay. I don't know. It just it get it just it brings everything to another level. Um, and it, 
it's a really good setup for season three, I think. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of so much in terms of mood, but a little bit. It, it prepares you a little bit for the kind of shit that... Mm. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, we'll absolutely check back in. So thank you for um, coming on, Caitlin. Cause it's, Thanks yeah, for having me. You're having the journey I had like three years ago, and it's really cool to... It is like a drug. It's like I'm riding the white tiger. <laughs> You're riding the white uh, white horse. Um, we could talk about this for uh, forever. I could talk about Twin Peaks forever, but we are gonna uh, yeah wrap it up a little bit here because it's a fairly long episode. Um, but thank you for sticking with us if you stuck with us this far. Um, I know for some people that uh, aren't really into weird Lynch shows, hear the word Twin Peaks and completely zone out. <laughs> so for those of you that made it this far, thank you. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for listening in. Um, if you have some theories about Twin Peaks, Ooh. send them through. Try to be spoiler-free. Keep in mind Rob and Sandra have not seen mm. uh, uh, the latter half of season two plus season three. Maybe I just won't check our email until. <laughs> Maybe Sandra won't check the email. But if you've got some, yeah, tell us your Twin Peaks story. Tell us. We want to know. Link all the details in the description down below. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything, you guys have anything to plug? Uh, Rob's coming on Oldie Buddy Goodie, not next week, but the week after. We recorded it. It was two and a half hours. It was very long, but it was pretty fun. <laughs> of course it is. Rob's on there. Damn straight. <laughs> Keep it, I'm on, I'm in on a couple, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, which will be fun. So yeah, check those out. This Monday is Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock with Reese Parton, who's on spinoff. So that will, that's a fun cool. one as well. I'm editing it at the moment. Not right now, but Love I will it. be as soon as we're done. <laughs> it's multitasking. Now, when you get, when you get, when you get to Undiscovered Country, make sure you get the, uh, the extended version and not the Blu-ray version, which cuts out some crucial scenes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it will do. Thank you. If you're ever planning on watching a TV show or movie for the first time, Send Rob an email. Ask him, <laughs> what version should I get? Because he knows his shit. The only ones I didn't know about was Twin Peaks. And so I am so grateful for everyone who has been the Rob Lloyd to Twin Peaks for me for this. <laughs> <laughs> the Rob Lloyd to Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when you want to start on a new, like a comic book for the first time. Like, I want to start reading Batman. You're just like, <laughs> somebody just tell me where to start. Like, yeah. Or Terry Pratchett, just tell me where to start. You need that. And that's what this nerd community is for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Making sure that you have the best experience nerding out on something that you haven't nerded out on before. That's that's there. That's nerds in a nutshell. Yeah. That's my new podcast. Nerds in a nutshell. So thank you for listening. In the meantime, hit us up on email or social media or any of those links down below. Uh, and until next time, do not forget the owls are not what they seem. <laughs> <laughs> and to nerd out.